Father God, Lord, thank you for, for thank you for today, God. Thank you for this for this moment. Lord, I thank you for that awesome worship, God. I thank you for, Lord, I thank you that you are a consuming fire, God, that you fill us afresh with your spirit like we looked at last week, God. Lord, I thank you for your good news, God. I thank you for your gospel. Lord, I thank you that you came, God, Lord, that you paid the price on a cross, Lord, for our sin so that we could have a relationship with you, so that you could defeat our sicknesses, Lord, and that we could enter this new life lived in you and be your witnesses here in this world. God, Lord, I pray that whilst we've come in here in one place, God, Lord, that we would leave here, Lord, with a bigger vision and a bigger picture of this life lived with you, this gospel revealing life, God. Lord, I pray you challenge us today, God. Lord, I pray that you speak into each and every single heart here today, wherever we're at on our journey with you, wherever we're at, wherever we may be, God, that you would challenge us, God, to be walking in that closer step with you, to be taking those risks on stepping out into what you've called us to, into what your word says. In your great and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, so today, great to see everybody. We've been going through for a long time now this Acts series. We're nearly at the end. We even finished the book and we carried on. So we're in Acts 29 today, so, and there are only 28 chapters. So we went through that throughout the whole year. And then last week we did Acts 29 and three main points for Acts 29. And actually I realized each one of those was a sermon. So that's what we're doing. Okay, last week we looked at spirit power. And today we're looking at the second in these kind of, almost like a mega lesson that we can take out of the book as we look at us today living as the people of Acts in the here and now. Living, like we said last week, by the power of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. And that second one is that we're living a gospel revealing life. See, our life reveals the gospel to the world. Central to everything, right? Central to the message of Acts, central to the Bible is the message of the gospel, the good news, the good news. And that word in Greek is evangelion, evangelion, literally the God's good news. You know, the gospel, and this is where maybe we'll be challenging ourselves a little bit, it's not just not just how someone becomes a christian it is at its core but the gospel flows out and what that is it impacts so many different parts of life it's far bigger the gospel changes everything and it touches everything it becomes this lens through which life can be lived out in all its beauties and all its facets that as the people of god the gospel it's something that we share with people we share the gospel we tell people the good news the gospel is something we live in and it's like an environment that's around us and it's something that we live from and today you know i believe god wants to do a work in us today over how we see the gospel 
how the light of the reality of the gospel, those incredible truths, what Christ did on the cross, how that can touch and how that flows out and impacts every part of our lives, how we reveal the gospel to the world, how we're called as the people of God to live that gospel revealing life. So let's get into it. Romans 1 16. This phrase is going to come up a lot today, but for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is Paul writing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel isn't just a concept or an academic truth. The gospel is not just the knowledge of God that brings salvation. It's not just knowing something whilst it is knowable, whilst it is a fact, it's more. It's the power of God that brings salvation that brings salvation. The gospel itself <coughs> is power. It's not just theology, you know. It is theology, but it's not just theology. It is power that brings a result. It's power that brings transformation eternally and temporally. So often I think sometimes, because that word gospel has so many, when we say gospel, probably as soon as I said that, many of you in the room think of different things. There's slight nuances to how you think of that word. Often when we hear share the gospel, we often hear that as go out and just tell people doctrine, which in part is true, right? Got to know the truth. Got to know what happened in part. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation. Salvation to all who believe. What does that word salvation mean? Salvation's root word is this Greek word called sozo. Some of you guys may have heard of that. Sozo means more than just going to heaven. The gospel is the power that leads to heaven but leads to more than just going to heaven. Sozo, it means a lot of things. It means salvation. It means saved. It means rescued. It means also restored. It means healed. That the gospel is about our eternal salvation, that our sin is paid for, that we get to be with God for eternity. But it's also about our bodies being healed, our relationships being restored. It's about society and the world being <coughs> rebuilt and healed. It's about creation itself being healed. Just as a little aside, you know, in Mark, Mark says, preach the gospel to all creation. How are you going to preach the gospel to the rainforest? How are you going to preach the gospel to the oceans and all the life that's within it, right? Because they don't need a salvation from their sin to go to heaven or something like that. In the gospel, there is a restoration that God wants to bring to earth between man and creation, the things that were broken at the beginning. So I'm not going to go into much 
depth in that area but I just find I just find that when you look at the gospel sure there's the core stuff but there's some amazingly beautiful facets that you can look at like standing in this massive mansion and the whole mansion's the gospel and you've opened this door and you look down this long corridor and it's just beautiful and you see all the different ways and areas that the gospel can impact in our lives today in fact it's every area the gospel can impact our work. The gospel should impact how we parent. The gospel can impact our creativity, can impact business. All these different things, the gospel can be revealed through that. The gospel is simple, and yet it's not simplistic. It's like trying to explain the universe, right? We can explain the universe. It's really simple. You know, it's massive and it's dark and there are stars and planets and it's expanding. We don't know the end of it. We look up at the night sky and on one level, it's simple, right? Yet its beauty and its complexity and its wonder could be explored and unfolded for an entire lifetime. The gospel is like a diamond, that when we hold up the diamond and we turn it round, I think of a big one, and it's got all, it shimmers in all these different facets with light going in one side, going through the center of the diamond and out of one of these facets, sparkling in your eyes. But you're always at the center of the diamond is a cross with the sun of glory beaten and broken for us separated from the father for us so that we could call him our father reconciling all things to himself for us raised again for us and today is seated on a throne in heaven as our king and our lord central to the gospel right central it is all about jesus it's all about him jesus is the center of the gospel and this good news of God is is this big story okay this meta narrative that we see played out and written across the whole Bible it's what the whole Bible's about the gospel right at the beginning when Adam and Eve sin remember they sin and before they're even cast out of the garden God gives them the promise of the good news. God gives them the promise of the gospel that one would come, the seed of a woman would come and rescue them, make all things new. And all the Old Testament, all the, old, all the people in the Old Testament, the stories, the lives in the Old Testament, everything you read, the prophecies, the prophets, they all point towards Jesus, the one who would one day come and rescue them who would bring the fulfillment of this good news of God the outpouring of this good news of God into the world and Jesus himself he shows up they're called Theophanies he shows up throughout the Old Testament as well if you're interested in that go back in our podcast and go to our Destiny Voices section and listen to a, a sermon called Jesus in the Old Testament by um, Professor Malcolm Williams it's Jess's dad a great great sermon Jesus in the Old Testament. That is how all through Acts, and I kept saying it as we went through Acts, all through Acts, Paul preaches the gospel, doesn't he? But he has no New Testament to use because he's writing it at the time. So he's using the scriptures. He's using the Old Testament, the prophets, the law. I love the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's very academic. 
It's a children's Bible. If you've never heard of it, I suggest you go, go and get, get hold of it. It's, a, it's very good if you're like, oh, I'd never really thought about Jesus as in the Old Testament. Its strapline is every story whispers his name. Jesus Storybook Bible. So good. You know, great theology. So I, I encourage you guys to go get that. Everything points to Jesus. Everything points towards the gospel. Everything points towards and tells this story of God's good news being unveiled upon the earth. You know, the Bible is made up of 66 books. It's written over a millennia. It's written over a thousand years. It's written by over 40 different authors across three different continents. And yet it just tells one story. Sure, there's lots of stories within it, but it tells one story. The story of Jesus Christ, the gospel story, the good news of God, how God is bringing mankind back into his presence, not for religion, but for life and life in all its fullness. And that's what I want to grasp at today, guys. Let's strip away any religion that we may have or the bump that we've thought over the years. And let's, let's try and just smell that fresh aroma and the beauty of the gospel and how that can pour into our life, but more than that, be revealed through us. So how does the gospel impact our lives? The gospel is not moral conformity. So it's not just a set of rules that you gotta do and follow to be saved, because that is religion. The gospel, as well as in self-discovery, it's not some like cool, yeah, I really found myself in this faith. It's not about that. It's not self-discovery. That is secularism. That is looking to yourself for things. The gospel is something else entirely. In one way, it's this kind of like grid and filter through which we can see the world. When we see the, the gospel and we grab that diamond and we turn it around and we hold it up to the light and we enjoy it and we study it and we appreciate it, there are, there's probably lots of things, but I'm gonna share just three things that can flow into our lives. And these are very internal ones I'm just gonna share now. The restructuring of our hearts and identity, the removal of our sin and the reversal of our values. So the restructuring of our hearts and our identity. See, before the gospel, usually, we look to many other things to find our self-worth, to find our identity in these things. Often these are culturally dictated, right? They can be a culturally dictated thing and we can end up being a prisoner to them. In some cultures, there's an expectation of family, supporting the family and you've got to, it's all family focused and you're giving yourself a family. In other cultures, maybe more Western, it's actually about the individual and becoming self-supporting and finding your purpose and realization and all those kind of things. Become a doctor, get married, right? own a house. Our value becomes defined by how we can achieve. And when we fail, it can be crushing. But when we realize that the God of all creation loved us to the extent and so much that he was slain for us, when we realize how much we're loved by him, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, when we see that, when we see that it's grace, what that's done for us, what that, what's that's given us, what it's freed us from, then in that we actually get free from the bondage of all those other things. Often good stuff, great things, right? Only a house is fine. But if that's where you drive your value, then you've got a big problem. Having a family is fine, but if that's where you drive your value from, it's a problem. 
we make good things ultimate things and our our love of self then becomes defined by our performance and how we do rather than what he says about us rather than the evidence of the gospel which is god loves you for he so loved the world right that he gave his only son to the removal of sin we have sin don't we sin it's a legal issue it's a legal issue between you and god and god is totally just so we can never say just forget about it it's fine the good news is that we don't have to experience the wrath of god we don't have to pay the price jesus on the cross pays the price he pays the price for all sin so that today you do not need to live your life under condemnation what a what a life if you've ever lived under condemnation what freedom there is not to live under the weight of your mistakes because you do not need to live under condemnation the wrath of god was poured upon the son to set you free and he says that you'll be free indeed so that it wouldn't be poured out on you god is totally just so sin has to be punished and he is love so he paid the price for us wow that's good news that's good news that the debt of god is paid that should put a spring in your step if you've ever been in financial debt you'll know like the weight that can have on your shoulders when that comes off imagine the debt of sin over your life for eternity that sin separated us from god but through christ we get to be not just saved but restored into relationship with the father we can have a relationship with god almighty the one who holds the universe in his hands that's mind-blowing that is good news the reversal of our values seeing this love of god seeing the sacrifice of god will lead to a reversal of your values will lead to a reversal of what you value you know people pursue power pursue success pursue wealth and status all this stuff they value those things above all else and those values cause us to live in a certain way make certain decisions right prioritize a certain way of living often those kind of things maybe doesn't put love for others as a higher priority the gospel though it liberates us from bondage to power recognition status and wealth all that stuff what we once valued and we held as a highest value completely changes because it's not what defines you you'd look at money completely differently no fear of losing it he's the provider you'd look at identity differently you wouldn't look in the mirror you'd look in the word and he tells you what you look like you'd look at life differently because it's not about you it's about others he paid a price so that we could be a blessing the whole paradigm of life shifts so there are these kind of inward aspects there's these kind of aspects of the gospel that impact us in our hearts these knowing aspects belief aspects things that affect us ways that the gospel works in us and they're important they are so important because you know they build things within us they build much of our mental matrix how we see the world how we process the world that kind of filter they impact our emotions they impact our decisions their core truths and realities of our heart and how we live but the gospel is even more 
The gospel is the power of God. It's a new authority that we've been given. It's a new identity. I just read it. It's a new identity that we have in him. The gospel, this good news of God, is that we live in the power of the Spirit, like we heard last week. The good news is that we're a new creation now. That we are a light shining into the world, bringing the light of God out into that world. Jesus demonstrated this to his disciples, didn't he? He taught them things. He showed them how to do ministry. In Matthew 10, 1, and then verse 7 and 8 as well, it says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority, hold that word in your head, authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. See, the gospel is not isolated in thought alone. It it is in our thoughts. It it is in our way we live because we're a whole being, aren't we? But it's not just like this inward spiritual thing and then forget it when I walk out my front door. It is found in action and deed. Jesus teaches his disciples to live like this. We're not just called to be blessed, to know our identity, and to, you know, to to be strong in that, to not walk in condemnation. We're blessed to be a blessing. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the multitudes, right? Andrew stands there and Andrew says to Jesus, Jesus, send them away. Send them away to go and buy food. Go and buy food. And Jesus says to him, you feed them. That's Jesus' MO, calling his disciples into a life of blessing. Jesus teaches them to go out in, in the power of the Spirit, under his authority, to bring the good news to people. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. One time, and I love this picture, one time in Luke 5, 23 to 24, it says this, Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, right? We know that's quarter the gospel. Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. The power of God unto salvation an amazing picture here this is the gospel right there the forgiveness of sin the forgiveness of sin eternal salvation right sozo more than just that healing and this guy is healed of his paralysis it's a restoration of his entire family this guy who's there suddenly can work again he can earn a living. Maybe his family's been living in poverty up until that point, And now he can suddenly work again. It's restoration. It's restoring his identity. He's been a cripple, and now he's not. There's this whole restoration of him. It may mean he can suddenly get married, when maybe in that culture, they would never do that. They would never marry a cripple. Maybe he was already married. And it was a really struggling family situation. Imagine that married relationship being restored. There is this new wholeness to this guy's life. 
It's not just an example of Jesus' miracles. There's this beautiful picture of the gospel impacting one man's life. He's saved for eternity. He has eternity. His sickness is completely healed and his life is restored. Because the gospel is about a fullness of life, a wholeness of life coming back to him and those around him. I think that's probably the best picture in the whole message, but I'll finish the message anyway. You see, guys, the gospel isn't dry religion. It's not dry religion. It's not just a theological concept. It is the power of God unto salvation, whole of life, eternal, and right there then, salvation. And I think that's awesome. That's exciting. That's exciting. That the gospel isn't just this internal blessing to us and when we die we get to go to heaven, which it is. It is this whole of life blessing being poured out through you to the world. Now hold in your heads Matthew 10, right, where Jesus, it says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority, that word authority, because he had authority, didn't he? To drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. As you go, proclaim this message. Kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. Later in Matthew, Jesus sends his disciples out again in Matthew 28. We often know this is the, the Great Commission. It's one of the Great Commissions. And what did Jesus say? He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, the authority again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore is important, guys, because he's saying, I've got authority. And I've said all this, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that authority, you go, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Side note, remember, wait on the Holy Spirit. That was last week. If you don't get that, listen to last week's sermon. Jesus tells the disciples to go out, doesn't he? Make other disciples, specifically teaching them to obey. That means do something, right? Not just believe, but obey. Do everything I've commanded you to do. Now, there was a bunch of stuff Jesus said, but one of them we can so easily relegate to something else is uh, Matthew 10. This is how you go. You know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. That's why Acts is still happening today. That's why it's still going on. That's why we read throughout Acts of people being healed, people being delivered of resurrections, because it's everything that Jesus began and then continued to do and to teach. That's why we hear of that stuff going on today around the world, here in our city, people being healed, people being set free, miracles happening. Because it's the plan. It's just the plan. It's part of the good news. It's part of the good news. It's central to Jesus' specific commission to us to share the good news. The gospel, the good news of God is the power of God unto salvation, the restoration, healing, and forgiveness of sin. Do you remember when we pray the Lord's Prayer? One of the things we say is, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil, right? You know, the root word for evil is this word poneo, and it's got three meanings. 
It's evil as in moral evil, which is sinning. It's the sin side of stuff. It's got this, also this sense of physical sickness. It can be blind, blind, and also sickness and disease. And also being full of labor and hardship. Deliver us from evil, this three levels of sin, sickness, and poverty. The gospel deals with it. Christ on the cross deals with it. I've come so that they may have life and life in all its fullness. Not believe in me so that they get through life and then die and go to heaven, you know? The gospel really is good news. Very, very, very good news. In Luke 4, Jesus stands up and he shares in the synagogue and he says why he's come. He says why he's come. And he quotes a prophecy from Isaiah and he says this, Luke 4, 18 to 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, poverty. Good news to those in poverty. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Sin, right? The bondage of sin. And recovery of sight to the blind. Disease and sickness and all this. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And that's just what Jesus continues to do and teach today. By the power of his spirit through you. Through us. Through the body of Christ here in Saikung, in Hong Kong and around the world. See the gospel, that's why I say the gospel is about more than just going to heaven. It's about also transforming here and now. To transform the world. It's about bringing heaven to earth. Remember we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And partnering with God to see that happen. By the power of his spirit. We're filled with the spirit, like we said last week. He is with us, like we read, even until the end of the age. You need God to live that life. The intention of the gospel is that we can model and demonstrate and live out the same gospel that Jesus lived when he was here walking the earth. Same thing he shared, same thing he preached. You know, the gospel is speaking. Gospel's preaching, yes. The gospel's doing. The gospel's acting, yes. The gospel and these acts of power are inseparable. You know, we see throughout Acts, we see throughout the rest of the New Testament, and actually we see throughout the rest of church history this. In Acts 4.29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word. So speaking, speak your word with great boldness, preaching, proclaiming. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The Acts life is a life speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God with boldness and seeing God work wonders, performing signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. It's a life walking under authority, walking under his authority, sharing the truth of God, telling people the good news of God, right? But also showing them the goodness of God. Hebrews 4, 3b, 4 says, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. 
signs and wonders testify to this sozo, this salvation that Christ won on the cross that impacts our eternity, impacts our health, impacts our hearts, impacts our wholeness, impacts our identity, impacts everything. And then that can then in turn flow out of us to also bring restoration and transformation to all those different areas we spoke about. Paul shares about preaching, doesn't he? He shares about preaching the gospel. And he says this, it's in Romans 15, 18 to 19. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That should encourage you guys. It's not about what you can do for Christ. It's about what he can accomplish through you. You know, what Jesus does. What does he want to do for you? And will we make ourselves available, like Paul made himself available, for Christ to work through you? What Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. When Paul speaks about fully proclaim the gospel of Christ, he doesn't separate it. It's, a, it's not just like something, it's not a men, just a mental thing. It's they understand, they have faith, they believe, and it's been witnessed to and testified to by these amazing things that Christ has done through him. It's teaching and it's doing. And sometimes, guys, I think sometimes we don't see a link between teaching and that thing of signs and wonders. Real challenge for me this week, reading this, right? Because I'm up here teaching and then I'm studying this stuff. And Acts 1.1 says everything that Jesus did and taught. Did and taught. He was a teacher. They called him rabbi, didn't they? He revealed incredible truths about this, this gospel, this good news. And he did great signs and wonders as well. In John 3, 2 to 3, it is that time where Nicodemus goes to Jesus. And he says, says this, he says, he came to Jesus at night, that's Nicodemus, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. We know you are a great teacher who's come from God because you perform these signs and wonders. Here's a picture of this amazing normal Christian life when they describe Jesus. It says this, Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good doing good right and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him it's a picture of a normal Christian life be filled with the spirit right be filled with the spirit have God with you go around doing good assaulting the gates of hell you can because God is with you for no other reason than that. And you may think, yeah, James, I, I get that, but that, that's Jesus, James. That's Jesus. You may have missed that, by the way, James, that verse there's about Jesus. But you know what? Look at the last five words. The last five words. Because God was with him. See, Jesus is 100% God, but he is also 100% man. Jesus never heals or does anything miraculous because of his divinity or from his divinity. 
You've got to know that, that Jesus always operated as a man in his humanity by the power of the Spirit. He demonstrates the way that he calls us to live. He calls us to live in that way. I mean, he even says, doesn't he, great, you'll do the same things as me and even greater things. God was with him. God was with him. And we're back at the beginning. We're back at the core. We're back at the heart. The reason for all things. Back in the beginning at the garden in some senses. In the presence of God. In the presence of God. That's what it's all about, guys. It's not about fireworks. When I say that, I mean like miracles and healing and all this stuff. That's great. That's awesome. But it's about the presence of God that we can have this relationship with God. You know, if you hunger to see miracles more than you hunger to see God, then you're in the wrong place. You've got to hunger for him more than anything else. That we have this relationship with God. And you know, the amazing thing is the very place, the very place that we need to be in, in order to most effectively share the gospel, is in the presence of God. If you do it because you feel I need to do it for some like religious thing and I kind of yeah, I feel like I should do it. I'm not going to share it as effectively as sitting in his presence and his love filling you and your and that love just flows out of you. you know? The gifts themselves, they come from a place of being in his presence. So, guys, I also I want to share a few things just to kind of draw to an end that hopefully I hope there'll be an encouragement to demonstrate the gospel and I think they're so simple we can often completely discount them as actually it's not the gospel as such it's a way a gospel can flow through our lives but a way that we can share the gospel with people first one is generosity the generosity of the gospel means that we in turn can live crazy generous lives because you know as people see generosity they experience and we tell them it's because Jesus loves us you know it's it's because of this gospel that leads me to live like this they experience some heart of the gospel see people see the gospel when we're radically generous and that's on us right that's on us because the heart of the gospel is radical, generous love that God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. We saw that video from Todd White last week. I heard him speaking about, he made this thing where he, he stopped going to restaurants unless he could double the bill. Because in America, they've got the whole tipping culture with like the waitresses get most of their salaries from, from the tips, that sort of stuff. So he would never go to a restaurant unless he could double the bill and pay the same amount to the waitress just to bless them. Amazing. Don't worry, it's not doctrine, but it's just an amazing story, right? And he's actually seen so many people come to faith by that because they're just blown away that they just can't, they just can't get over the generosity. And he just shares the love of God through that, opens the door. Don't underestimate how your crazy generosity can open a discussion of God's goodness. You know, there may be a guy sat there and he has literally no idea about God. There's nothing wrong. Okay, there's nothing wrong with him. But actually, you're just, your heart is open and your wallet is open. And God says, give that guy like a thousand Hong Kong, something like that, you know, or a hundred US, whatever. And you go and you bless him with it. 
You just if God said that to your heart, right? If it's very random, say, why has God told me to do this? Because I bet you'll find that there's something financially going on in that guy's life. I watched a testimony recently where this guy just started crying and he said, you know, that's the last bill of the month that I need to get sorted and I wasn't sure how on earth I was going to do it. God cares about the last bill of the month for people who completely shun him and never go to church, you know? There's something beautiful in that. We can reveal the love of God and how much he cares about the little thing. So when we talk about sharing the gospel, we often think about trying to communicate doctrine, right? Christ died for us, and it's so important that Christ died for our sins, our sicknesses, that we can be made right with God, that we can come back into the presence of God. It's core and it's central. But unless someone's really asking you about that, maybe it's not the beginning point of a conversation, right? It could freak them out. Generosity is a beautiful way to open the door, to reveal the heart of the gospel and then explain it. Where maybe the people are like, why are you doing that? What? Why is that? Then you are able to explain about a God who doesn't just love them about their finances, but paid a price for them on a cross so that they could have a relationship with him and go to heaven. Why do you do that? Because God loves you. And one last thing I just want to share that is so, so simple, right? Is very much, in a sense, at the very beginning of the gospel is why did God send Jesus? It says, for God so loved the world. He thought you were worth it. He thought you were great that he sent his son. Tell people what God thinks about them. Tell people what God thinks about them. Call the gold out in people. Call the gold out in people. Because, you know, many people never have that ever happen. Ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to you that are going to build them up, that are going to encourage them, that you can speak into their lives. Words of encouragement. That's a beautiful start to start sharing the gospel. And, you know, even if you don't have some, like, oh, like word, word of knowledge or something from heaven that sinks into your heart, be encouraging, you know. Be encouraging. You know God's heart for people. You know God's heart for you. He's written it in the Bible. Encourage them. Our job, right, is to sow on water. Sow on water. Sometimes that's sharing the doctrine. Sometimes it's being encouraging in that moment and linking it with Jesus so that they see Christ, so that they know the generosity of God. And God's going to bring the increase. So sharing encouraging words may seem tame. Right? Especially after that section of the talk of all the supernatural stuff. But words are so powerful. What you believe is normal, maybe that person needs to hear in that moment in their life. Where you just say to someone, do you know, like, God just revealed to me that you are just, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. You, you have a heart that would just do anything for anybody. God, God loves that about you. You know, that will make someone's day, but that, will just, that may just completely shatter, a, that may completely shatter a wall in their life that, it, that Satan, the enemy, has been building up, telling them that they're rubbish, right? Telling them that they're ugly. Adopt, guys, a lifestyle of encouragement. Adopt a lifestyle of encouragement. The gospel will flow through that. We don't share for ourselves, guys. We don't share for ourselves. 
We don't share so that we can like put a tick on either our, oh, yeah, I feel pretty good about myself, or a tick on some kind of like Christian scorecard where we say, hey, yeah, I shared with some guy this week and it's great, it's awesome. But that's not why we do it. We do it because we love them. We do it because we want to bring people back to the Father. That's the heart of Christ, right? That he would reveal the heart of God, that he would take people, that he would make a way for us back to the Father. We share the gospel in word and in deeds because we want to see people come back to the Father and live in that full wholeness of life that is there in the good news. The Acts life is a spirit-powered, gospel-revealing life. You know, guys, we're here on this planet to reveal the good news of God to a world that so needs to hear. You know? it's, not about, it's not about building a religion. It's not even about building a church, guys. Like, if we see a thousand people saved and only 40 of them come here, it's fine. You know, we want to see people reconnected with God Almighty. We want to see people connected in churches, by the way, and other churches. That's great. Guys, I just want to challenge you just now in the choir. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come right now and just touch each heart. Just speak and whisper to each heart. Guys, there's been a lot there. And maybe there's some things that you want to make decisions about today to start. Okay, just to start that lifestyle of encouragement maybe built on last week to do with walking the power of the spirit you've got an even bigger picture and dimension of how that reveals the gospel and brings the gospel everything that Christ paid for there on the cross as he was beaten before the cross guys I just want to encourage you make that choice today make that decision say God I'm pursuing this with all my heart but above all, guys, I just want to challenge each and every one of you, wherever you are on your walk, have your eyes fixed upon him, your eyes fixed on the presence of God. Rest in him. Put time aside. Spend with him. Get excited. Don't get stressed about the other stuff and how it's going to come. Focus on him, because it will all come from him. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in him. Spend time in his presence. Hunger after nothing more than that. And if, if you know, guys, if you're here and you've not done that, you know, just, say, just say, sorry, God, I'm just going to, I'm pushing forward into that today. I thank you for your grace. I thank you. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that it's nothing I need to earn, but it's everything I need to receive. And if you're here today or you're listening to the podcast and you think, hey, I don't know God. I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I've never, I've never prayed to him. I've never made a, I've never made a choice to say, yeah, God, I want, I want you. I, I believe, I believe that you died for me on a cross. If that's you and you want to follow him today, I just invite you, pray this after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on a cross for me. I thank you 
that you paid for my sin so I don't have to. That I can be brought back into relationship with God, with you. That I can live in your presence and enjoy the good news of the fullness and wholeness of life in your gospel. I make a decision to follow you today, Jesus. And make you my Lord. In your name. Amen. Father, thank you, God, for today. And Lord, I just pray that you would, wherever we're at, each of us or that you would speak to us by your spirit that you would lead us into that place god that we'd just be so excited about living these gospel revealing lives god that people would know you god that people would step hand in hand with you god because they'd see your presence they see that we live lives in the presence and they want that that it's attractive god let people want nothing else from us more than our, our intimacy with you, God. Yeah. Yes, God. Lord, I pray that just the Holy Spirit, as we sing this last song, God, just come and fill this place. Fill this place. Work in each and every one of our hearts, God. In your mighty name. Amen.